You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, super excited to talk to Greg Callahan on what best-in-class selling looks like. Craig is a partner with Bain & Co. He's responsible for sorting, supporting B2B clients and accelerating go-to-market performance. Craig's also a product leader for Coro Digital Account Planning. Craig, you know I'm excited to talk to you, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm fired up. Let's get this thing going. Absolutely. So talk to me. What, what are we really talking about? What best-in-class selling looks like? What does that mean to you? Sure. You know, as we spent a lot of time with our clients, the, the big thing people are thinking about now is full potential account planning. And the reason why is in this world, crazy world of COVID, you know, it, it's really hard to actually open up doors and meet new customers. So how do you get more value out of the customers you have? How do you really go deeper and, and kind of cross-sell and, and, and get to full potential on all those ones that you already know? It's incredibly hard nowadays. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about it. Like, what is there a framework we can use toward understanding this? How, how do we digest this? Because it's a big topic. Yeah, you know, I think I think look, the framework is is relatively simple. I, I'd maybe I maybe start with the simple concept is you know selling is hard, and so sales ops, sales leaders, you got to make it a lot easier for the team. And so there are four core components in our minds of, of what sales sales leadership and ops should be doing to make this easier. Uh, I'll just rattle them off here and maybe we tick through them one by one. But, you know, the first one is getting to the right accounts, helping the teams find the right accounts. The second one is the right tools. The third is around actually developing the right cadence between sales, sales reps and managers and specialists, and then ultimately putting them into a packaged approach in plays, we call them plays, so that you can do them over and over again across multiple accounts. Okay. Sounds pretty standard, but I know Bain has some really great in-depth stuff to share with us on these. So I'm excited to dive in. You said get to the right accounts first. Yeah. You know, I think uh, this is certainly a place for the demand matrix team uh, plays a role. But, you know, as, as you think about full potential account planning, what, what, what do we know? We know 80% of people think it's, it's valuable. 50% of people waste their time doing it. And the reason why we're wasting our time is we're spending way too much time on the wrong accounts or building account plan for way too many accounts. And so it really comes down to, are you identifying accounts that have full potential and are you spending time on those accounts? And so what should we be doing as sales ops and sales leadership? We should be bringing tools to our sales teams to be able to say, go this way instead of that. This account has more potential than something else. You know, what's that decision rubric? Is it when are contracts up for renewal? When are when is there major executive changes? If you're in selling to med tech, what are the number of hospital beds? But we've got to make it easier for our sales team to know of the account uh, accounts that they have, 
which are the ones you should be spending your time on? And that should be really easy to do, not a big science project for the sales team. I feel like so many companies overthink that. I mean, we have to spend the, the right amount of diligence on identifying those accounts, right? But it's certainly become, I don't know if it's become easier, it's certainly become more complex given the, the amount of data out there and obviously uh, the amount of intelligence out there is drastically more than it used to be five, 10 years ago. But it's also harder to do, right? Because of that uh, complexity of, of uh, I don't know, data overload, right? It's almost a, a analysis by paralysis syndrome that happens a lot of time when selecting accounts. You've got it, man. I mean, the way we try to keep it super simple, which is, hey, what's the what's the potential size of wallet share? What's the full potential share wallet of this thing? And what is its likelihood to happen in the not too distant future? And so, uh, or, or intent, if you will. So if you know the size of the account and the intent of the account and you build it out in that two by two, all of a sudden you have a lot clearer picture of where should you be spending your time. Cause you can have really big accounts that have zero intent to buy. And those are ones that you probably don't want to spend as much time on relative to others. And so just as, as you kind of, peel it all back, it's basically what's the size of the account and what's what's the likelihood to intent to buy? You, you were talking, you just said, you know, it matters as it relates to the time. So uh, that, that to me is an interesting thing because normally when, at least at organizations I've been at, when we go to identify our ICP or go to identify our target accounts, we, it's almost, uh, I don't want to say it never changes, but it effectively never changes, right? Like it's not based on a particular quarter or half of a year or anything like that. What kind of what kind of time frame should people be thinking about to define those target accounts? Totally. So I think about it as, as two parts. There's there's accounts that you want to transact right now. And so they're live deals, you know they're gonna spend. And those are the things you put in your pipeline all day long. You're taking them stage one to, to five, seven, whatever many stages you have in your sales uh, cycle. What I'm talking about here is actually slightly different, which is how do you build high quality pipe? How do you actually stimulate the demand in those customers? And so as we think about that time, it's actually who are those accounts that you can start to actually stimulate interest and excitement in your products or offerings well before they're going to spend the money? And so that's kind of like that six months to outward of 24 months, depending on your sales cycle, that you need to be thinking about those accounts. Okay, so you mentioned intent being one way to to get ahead of that, right? Or to, to try to predict where those accounts are uh, going to be, right? You want to pass the ball where they're going to be, not where they are today. Exactly. You know, the you talk to a lot of sales organizations and they, to your point, they have some great ideas on these are the biggest potential accounts. But there's all these other data sources that you can put in there that says, hey, they've been searching on your your marketing site. They've been doing a whole bunch of search terms on these types of things. I can see behind their firewall and there's all this type of tech that they have that makes them a, a more interesting person. Or there are these, these types of paired buys that they do on the rest of your company that you should be thinking about. And those are the things coming back to make it easier for your sales team. You as a leadership team need to be feeding that information in a digestible way, not science projects, but digestible way to your team because that's where they're going to get the value. They, they want to know... Tell me where to go and why, and give me the talk track of why they might be interested now. The why is huge. Yep. It's really big. Makes sense. So 
do we have the right accounts after that? I mean, are we good? Are you are we good, good to go? go? You know, yeah. <laughs> you're 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 one fourth of the way there, man. You're one fourth right. of the way there. You know, the next the next one I go to is you when thinking about account planning, it's you got to put the right tools in place. I can't tell you how many organizations I've talked to where they say, "Oh yeah, we do account planning." You say, "Okay, what what do you mean by account planning?" Well, once a year. We write down, and and uh, no joke, I talked to an organization that said, on average, our account plans are 100 pages long. You know, we, we go we go really deep. We understand what we did over the past year. And and you say, so what do you do with it? And say, well, we put it in the drawer, and we look at it next year. <laughs> and so you take a step back and you say, okay, you're doing it wrong. You're completely doing it wrong. One, it needs to be incredibly simple. Simple, 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 simple. Uh, the second is actually around um, tying it to actions. And so we'll talk about what does an action mean at the end of the day, but I spend far less time on the history and why you're the greatest sales rep ever and sales team. You know, I want you spending all of your time on, based on what I know in this account today. These are the things that might be interesting that we have that I can start to stimulate some demand around. So it's it's not about the history. It's about future actions. It's keeping it simple. And last but not least, this one is, is really simple, but, but a lot of us miss it is the Word document and PowerPoint work, but what you're trying to drive is collaboration. You're trying to drive integration with your existing CRM systems to make it easier. You're trying to reduce admin time of contacts being updated and that kind of stuff. And you want to create a system whereby if you're doing some really good stuff, you should be able to measure it. And so from the ops team, you can provide more information back to the team to say, hey, these things are really working. Everyone who has accounts like this, you should go do that. Go talk to your accounts. And so when we think about the right tools, there are those three pieces, which is keep it simple, make it action oriented, and you've got to build it into your CRM. It has to be CRM focused and it has to be mobile first. I love it. I, you know, I was just jotting down what you were talking about. You know, drive collaboration. It's efficiency from the CRM perspective, and it's aligning to the right metrics organizationally. Um, that's excellent. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, that that collaboration piece. Um, you know, and that, that actually leads us nice nicely into the next part, which is the right cadence. But uh, <laughs> maybe we'll go there if you're good with it. I didn't plan it, but I mean, if it works, it works. <laughs> so as, as we think about collaboration, you know, there, there are two parts to that collaboration. There's one, which is you got to bring the right people to the room to build out those strategies. And so the right people in the room is the person who owns the account. It's probably, it is the manager. If you have any subject matter experts or spe specific product expertise that you think would be relevant, you bring them in, you know, people have similar accounts. So if I'm selling to MasterCard, and someone else says Visa and is really kicking butt, let's figure out what, what they're doing at the Visa account because I should be bringing those ideas in. So finding those lookalike or similar uh, similar accounts and opportunities is really important. And so time and time and time again, this idea of bringing the kind of the, the best thinking into these accounts, that's what's going to stimulate the ideas that are going to be breakthrough for you. So how do yeah. How do you get there, though, I guess is my, my instant question, right? And I know exactly what you're talking about, right? That this vertical works or this, you know, hey, so-and-so rep went out and is doing this. How do you, one, find it? And then, two, how do you replicate it? Yeah. 
You know, there there are a couple different ways to do it. I think the simplest answer is um, as sales leadership and sales ops, your job is start start to facilitate these conversations. This is a one hour dialogue. It doesn't need to be this incredible summit of all the key. No, no, no. Just make it simple. Hey, we're going to set up one hour to talk about this account, to talk about what are the things that we could do differently and leverage to get better. And that's that's like easy peasy street. That's that's an easy one. You know, as we look from good to great, the ones that are really doing a great job, they're actually going in and doing a lot of best practice mining. And they always start at the top and they say, what are we doing in our biggest accounts? What are our best reps doing? What are the plays they're doing over and over again? And let's codify those to make it easier for everyone else. Um, I, I'm sure you lived through it, but when, you know, every organization you walk into where you talk to those really top performing reps, you're like, wow, what are they doing? How are they doing it? And you go talk to them. They say, well, I put on my pants like everyone else, but then I, you know, I go sell. They don't think they're different. But when you actually, <laughs> when you actually tear it apart, what they're doing is they're, they're really a fully integrated sales ops, marketing, whatever team, because they, they basically figured out something that works and they're hammering that strategy over and over and over again, because it works. So go find those people and codify it so you can bring it to the rest of the organization. Got it. Got it. So it's it's more about finding the right folks internally, the right, you know, focusing on the right uh, overperformers and then finding the specifics as to, to what's making them overperformers and trying to rinse and repeat that versus trying to look into uh, look into the data maybe and, and try to find, uh, you know, this vertical is performing or this one isn't or, or so on and so forth, right? It's more yeah, you know, as, as with all things, you can you can come in at five different ways and, and data-driven <laughs> is uh, my heart and soul. And, and I love the data-driven, but, the, you know, some of those easy hacks are just go to your best performers and, and watch them. Ask them yeah. a few questions and figure it out and then see if the data bears that out. You know, they, they might... They might just be a rare breed, but uh, you can always cross-check. And then the, the data always helps. You know, I love it. I, I think the other piece in that cadence is that's what gets you going. That's what builds out the plan and the strategy and how you think about it. But the second piece is how do you, how do you keep that uh, forward momentum? Uh, and that's really around driving your sales managers and sales reps to keep talking about it. So again, we talked about the story where the, the account plan went into the drawer 12, every 12 months. You know, what we want is, okay, you've got the right accounts, the right tools, the right cadence, the right cadences, depending on the size and scale of the account, you're talking about what is the strategy? What are you going to talk about? What are the interesting things? And it's, it's the job of your manager to help you get there. And you know, coming back to our theme, like sales is hard. You know, help me. What the sales reps need is coach me, challenge me, make me think deeper, bring value to our discussions. Don't just ask me about process. Help me think more about these accounts. And so as a sales manager, I encourage you to really, really uh, help help that sales rep both stay accountable to what they committed to strategically, but also this is a this is a partnership working together and talking about this stuff is going to be really important not just about the, the live deals, but it's really how are you going to go stimulate those next round of deals? So it's make the time for that. How many how many pipeline reviews, you know, are just going over the pipe and not talking about how to strategically tackle that account or, or how to, um, 
you know, perform the right play or, or, you know, the X, Y, and Z rep was doing this and, and maybe this would be worth trying, right? The, those conversations I feel are few and far between at so many organizations. Yeah. I, I work with, uh, with an amazing, uh, amazing sales leader one time and she had this great line. Uh, she was a big golfer and she said, you know, I, I'll go out and I'll get an hour long lesson in golf and, you know, however much it costs, it costs a hundred dollars. And I'm, if I'm getting value out of that lesson, I'm willing to pay that money every single time. You know, every time uh, a rep walks into the room with a manager, how much do you think they would pay for to, to get time with you as a manager? Because if, if they're going to spend a dollar, if they're getting no value out of it, then there's no point in having the conversation. And so how do you make your one-on-ones how do you make yourself a hundred dollar lesson, if you will? And so yeah, that's such a good way to look it's at a, it. It's a really big shift in mindset because it moves from inspection to coaching and adding value. And that that's a big piece of those one-on-ones is how do you add value back to those conversations? So that's, that's so I'm, I'm trying to digest step three here uh, in terms of this. And, and it sounds like it was two pieces to it. It's, it's find the lookalikes. It's find the stuff that is working organizationally, strategically, and and then follow it through to a tactical level with leadership, with management, to ensure that the, the reps are, to your point, right, they've got a tough job and it's as easy as possible for them. Yeah, you, you've got it. And so uh, that's right. This, this third piece is really the cadence, which is both how do you set up the right meeting when you're starting to build out that account plan for the first time or refreshing it? And so how do you bring the right people into the room for those that idea session? And the second piece is how do you keep it evergreen? And how do you make sure between each of those ses- those two major sessions where you're bringing the best of your company together to think about these things, uh, how do you keep that alive with your one-on-ones with your manager and rep? And so those are the two big pieces of the cadence. Got it. Okay. Anything we missed on the cadence? Because I feel like it's an important one. Yeah, you, you've got it. It's it's important and hard. <laughs> the yeah. last two are the hard ones. Anytime you start getting into the change management piece or the, you know, looking at accounts seems to be an easy task at this point. But when we're talking about changing behavior and, and things of that nature, that becomes more complex. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what's last in it then, Greg? So the last one is the right actions. And this is this is what we call plays. And so as we think about that, that is really the codification of those ideas. And so, you know, we, we've now talked about accounts. We've talked about the tools. We've talked about the cadence. But at the end of the day, make your life easier. You've got to actually codify these plays into, into something that a rep can do. And so m- maybe it's worth it to spend a hot second talking about what, is, what does that codification mean? So the way we think about it is you've got to have kind of selling collateral. So what is your point of view? What's the collateral? So it's off the shelf and easy. Second, you probably need to have something around an ROI story. Why is it worth actually having a conversation about this? And then where it gets interesting, where you go from good to great is when you start to say, okay, and what is what is actually the marketing campaign that we're going to put around this so that if I decide this account, I want to introduce them to these new ideas and they're interested and I just put them on this drip campaign. How do you how do you integrate that sales and marketing action so that you're getting, you're getting further amplification of it? And then how do I make it really, really, really stinking easy so that when a rep says, okay, I'm going to sit, I, I, my plan for this account is to, and I'll, I'll give an example. I worked with a, 
uh, a, a tech company that they wanted to drive penetration into a new product category. So they were traditionally in kind of collaboration and they were in uh, networking, but they wanted to get into security. But their team overall wasn't that confident in security. So they built a play and the play was, okay, let's do a 10, uh, 10 question Q&A that we can take to people that we are, that are friends of our account, friends, friends of the firm that we can learn more about their security apparatus, their structure, all that kind of stuff. And we can, we can glean enough. Then once we come back, we'll speak with our specialists. We'll know what we're doing and we'll say, okay, this is a great target. We're going to put them onto a drip marketing campaign and we're going to go get that conversation with the CISO. So all of this is pre-revenue. All this is pretty simple, but what they were able to do is they were able to increase their number of uh, one-on-ones and, and pipeline by seven X in that security solution just by making it that simple, coming up with these, those Q&A questions, putting those marketing things together, and then pushing the team to go have those meetings. And that, again, it's super easy to, to have a security conversation when people write the simple playbook for you. But nine times out of 10, we're, we're making our reps come up with the idea on their self, develop their own ap- approach, make up their own 10 questions, figure out the strategy. And so we've just got to make it easier for folks to, to be able to do that. And that goes right back. I mean, that's got to go back to your stud performers there, right? Those are the guys that are actually coming up with a lot of that stuff if it's not spoon-fed to them, right? If they don't have uh, the best practices toward penetrating that security vertical, you can sometimes rely on that you know, uh, A-plus performer to be able to kind of figure it out on their own. You take that learning, then you rinse, repeat it, develop the collateral, develop all of that as well. Uh, am I right around that or no, Greg? You've nailed it, man. And so as you think about it over time, you, the other way to think about it is if, if you were to do like a product launch, you'd put all these things together. And so it's a really nice package. It's a way for the easier to make your rep team do this. But you shouldn't need a product launch to actually tie a bow around how, how a team can introduce your products. You should actually be thinking about a refresh of that product launch every couple of years. And so you're going to start to build up a, a little war chest, if you will. Or, or a factory, you're put, putting out these plays so that when a rep and their team get together and they're starting to think about what is that account plan, the account they're going to tackle and what's the plan and strategy they want to go pursue, they have this library to pull from. And they say, okay, I want to go do this or I want to go stimulate this idea. Or I think they mentioned this, this one might be interesting and they don't have to go recreate the wheel. It's, it is just there for them to leverage. And what you see and what we've found throughout all of uh, – COVID is that organizations that have these robust structures and have a little bit more top-down clarity on what a rep team can do have fared a lot better than those that are entrepreneurial in nature and say, my rep's going to figure it out. Because it's really hard, especially when people aren't opening up doors. And so take some of those barriers out of the way, make make it much easier for your team to have these things and, and go deliver them to their customers. I love it. Yeah, that's actually interesting, though, the the entrepreneurial versus more process-oriented organization. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm i an entrepreneurial uh, kindred myself, right? So I, I feel like, you know, maybe the reps would be able to figure out and everything, but I can imagine with all the external forces pushing on that organization from, like you said, you know, the things are like the pandemic or, or huge change, right, that's going on, even industry shifts. Uh, it becomes not really rinse and repeatable, right? It, it becomes um, 
like maybe it'll happen, but but odds are it probably won't. Yeah, you know, I think I've come across, I, I can name them. There are two organizations in my time I've come across where they have had all basically A players. And in those organizations, you can allow your team to be entrepreneurial because they are way better than being structured. But they spent a lot of time building that bench and building a capability and getting the right people on board. But But outside of that, all of us are dealing with different mixes of people at different tenures and different experience with the product and different experience. And so because of the so many different dimensions of people on their capability levels, it's really important to take the guesswork out for the team and, and make it a lot easier for them. That's two organizations out of how many, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's say at least uh, in the many's in the in the many's of tens and, and upwards of hundreds that I've, I've yeah. had the pleasure of working with. I was definitely figuring it would be at least three digits there. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So very very small percentage where they've all been studs, and you can actually rely on that as a strategic uh, uh, plan moving forward. That makes sense. You've nailed it. And I think as we as we stare at this and and maybe the the kind of the brass ring around all this is like why should you care about account planning the the simple answer is it drives if done right if you put the system together it drives results and and just to give you a sense for that when we work with our clients on this they typically see a 3 to 5 times increase in the pipe of the accounts they're targeting and they typically see a 20 to 30% direct straight through increase in growth in those in those accounts and so clearly you build the pipe first and then you convert the pipe into dollars. But there is there is real value to be had if you can put the right system together. And it's it's all these components together. And, and one of our our internal focuses is how, how do you make this coming back to how do you make this easy? The right accounts. There are people out there that can get you the right accounts, the right tools we built with our uh, using our methodology and approach Coro uh, exactly to do this, to, to take some of the work uh from the team and make it a lot easier to be more integrated into the CRM and, and put all these different pieces from workflow to sales plays to targeting accounts just to make it so much easier for the teams. I've, I've been curious about that, Greg. What, like, How does Coro actually help with that? Because I know there's a lot of viewers out there that are trying to understand everything and how everything fits together. And I'm pretty sure, I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty sure the Coro platform does a lot of that, yeah? It does. It does. If 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 we didn't, I think uh, a lot of our clients would throw us out the front door. You say sure. something, don't yeah. deliver. But yeah, that that's exactly right. As we as we as we went about designing Coral, we we actually worked with a number of our clients. So there there was a design team of five or six of our clients as we sat down and structured it out to say, what do you need? What do you want? And how do we make this better for you? And so just to kind of highlight some of those key things, I think to to tick from the top to the bottom. You know, in Coro, we're designating those which are the right accounts. So we're we're proactively from a leadership team targeting those accounts so that we're spending the time on the things that matter. We've built it into the CRM, so you never have that swivel chair where you're moving across applications or you update your contacts in one place and they're not in another. Or even down to, you know, since you're putting so much great information into your account plan, you should be able to measure on the back end all your plays you're running and say, okay, guess what, team? You know, eight out of 10 people ran this security sales play and five out of 10 converted into to pipe, uh, like uh, converted to close. Everyone should go run this. This is confidence for you. And so it's it's bringing all those pieces together around collaboration and being in the right system and being able to measure on the back end so you can give value back to the team. So it's it's as we thought about it, we thought about it from the lens of both the sales rep 
the sales manager and then ultimately sales ops and how do you how do you how does everyone get value out of that that system that you've built out that's so critical because so many of the tools out there are, are singular focus you know they'll support the sales rep or um, maybe they're an analytics dash or something to that degree that'll support you know strategic folks at the organization but very rarely the, are all of those aligned and everyone's looking at the same the same stats, the same metrics, right? That's how you're going to drive true alignment at the organization. You've got it. We, uh, I had a fun conversation with uh, one of the unicorn startups uh, not too long ago, and he said, you know, what's pretty unique about Coro to me it's, is it's my singular surface for my biggest opportunities. And I can look across all these and see where our strategy is and how we're driving that change. And it makes it easier for my teams to engage. It makes it easier for me to engage. And it makes me easier for me to actually demonstrate the impact all of the, this whole system we're putting in place can have on our organization. The right accounts, the right tools, the right cadence, the right actions. I think I got it. You got it. Uh, I can come work with Bain now, yeah? Is that how, is that how it works? You're hired. All right. Wow. You're hired. Excellent, man. Right. Is there anything that the viewers should know, Craig, that we, we missed or we, we didn't cover in enough depth? No. Listen, if, if uh, you know, I think the simple answer is if, if people want to learn more, you know, feel free to reach out. Our, our email is pretty simple. It's Coro, C-O-R-O at Bain.com. And we're happy to share our approach, share the four box framework, if you will. And, and, and anything else, you know, we're, we we love sales just like the rest of the group, so we're uh, we're here to help people grow. So uh, hey, I, I have had a blast, man, and uh, uh, it's 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 so fun. Long long time listener, first time caller, but uh, this it's it's great to be be part of the uh, Sunnyside Up family now. Oh, absolutely, Greg. I know we've we've wanted to have you on for a while. Is we we always ask, you know, are there a couple people you would recommend to the podcast? Can you think of one or two that that you might recommend? As next up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I this one's an easy one, but I I always I, I love spending time with uh, uh, Mike Weinberg. I think you know, particularly his sales management simplified approach and team has is really really powerful. So, you know, if if you find yourself, uh, I can't say stuck in an airport anymore, uh, uh, <laughs> stuck in the bathroom, and you need something to do. Pick up a copy of that book. It is a quick read and it is so insightful. Mike Weinberg's book. What was it one more time? Uh, Sales Management Simplified. I feel like that's a common theme here, Greg. Simplification of the sales process is critical. Yeah, you've you've got it, man. I love it. Uh, Greg Callahan, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on, man. Hey, this was fun. Thank you. Yep. Next time. We're going to do it in, uh, in a little bit from now. We'll have you back on. Awesome. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.